Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in I believe that God's gladly lived a packet until all around the world it's been circulated. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to yet another episode of the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. I'm super excited about the episode we have here today and the content we'll be covering because unlike the previous podcast where we've interviewed uh, men and we work with men of God from different countries, today we're going to be interviewing Brother Tim Dodd, who's the Director of Missions here at Clover the Bible Way. He's a voice that you're familiar with. And today I, I felt it would be appropriate to ask him a few questions about how we got here and how we got involved in missions and what his experience has been so far. So, Brother Tim Dodd, do you have any opening comments? Greetings, Brother Jean, and greetings, everyone. No, I, I'm I'm not used to being the subject of an interview, so <laughs> I guess uh, I will let you run with that, and uh, I trust that it'll be a blessing to those that hear it. How you begin is a unique story for everybody, so uh, may the Lord bless our time together today. Amen. So, before we get into how you ended up in Cloverdale, can we just get a brief overview, perhaps two, three minutes about how you encountered the message? Because I believe that you were raised in Pentecostal, correct me if I'm wrong, and somehow you came in contact with a lot of the message. Well, I was raised in Pentecostal, and uh, my grandfather was a Pentecostal minister, started several churches, and and uh, uh, when I was 22 years old, I was married, had one child, and was in training in the Royal Bank for management, Royal Bank of Canada. And uh, at that time, there was an economic slowdown. It was the early 1980s. But eventually, I received my first posting to a town called Oliver in British Columbia. It's a little town in the Okanagan south of Kelowna, even south of Penticton, almost at the U.S. border. It's about a half an hour from the U.S. border. Hmm. And... Uh, it was there that uh, brother, a brother, Brother Mark, who was with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police at that time, was transferred to that same little town in the same month that I was, and he had just come into the message six months earlier. It's significant because I had worked with Brother Mark's wife in the bank. That's Brother Mark Matul. That's right. Okay. And, uh, and so I knew them. They were religious as well. They were attending a four-square church at that time, I believe. and uh, But not knowing that he had received the message. So it was through contact with him that I began to uh, hear the term, the message, begin to hear about a prophet, uh, uh, little things. He was only been in the message about six months, so he didn't really know a whole lot about the message. But he began to talk to me or witness to me. And finally, uh, the Lord really uh, struck my heart when Brother Mark shared the testimony or the uh, the reality of what took place in the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. the serpent seed right. doctrine, as we call it. The, it's not a doctrine, it's the reality <laughs> of the Scripture. And uh, from there, the Bible became a new book to me. Wow. And I began to see many things that I never saw before, though I had read my Bible but it was because I had read my Bible and because I'd gone to church that I was familiar with with a lot of things that 
had no basis. That is to say, they had no foundation, like the new birth, or mm-hmm. why did Jesus have to be virgin born, or right. or you know these these different things that are there in the scripture that we believe and accept them, but the why behind it was not clear. And that's the thing that that the reality of serpent seed or the truth of serpent seed clears up. So mm-hmm. it was there that I came into the message. Nineteen eighty three uh, came. Uh, Brother Biscoe came up to the Okanagan at that time. It was through Cloverdale Bible Way that Brother Mark had come into the message. And Brother Biscoe and uh, some other brothers and their wives came to visit in the Okanagan. It was at that time the Lord really dealt with me. I came into the light of the message, was baptized as my wife was on Thanksgiving Day, 1983. Uh, That's the Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in October. And... uh, it's never been the same since. Wow. It's, uh, I've never looked back, never regretted it, never felt like uh, I was looking for anything because I felt like I found what I was looking for all my life. Amen. It's wonderful. And I believe that was also your first encounter with Brother, Brother Ed Bisco. That's the right. First time that you met him there. That's correct. In the Okanagan, okay. 1983, probably about August or September 1983. You were certainly... A young man in in the eighties. I'm not going to ask you how old you were. <laughs> well, I was 22 years old. I already said it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, you were 22 years old, and you just came into the message. Uh, you met Brother Ed, and he came to see you, and perhaps address some questions that you might have. And fast forward years and years and decades after that, mm-hmm. you end up working with the very men. And obviously, back then, you never thought of that ever taking place. And God continued to unfold his plan for your life. And that being said, I'm going to play a clip here of Brother Ed Bisco. And this is from a sermon called The Vision of the Commission. Preacher at Clover the Bible Way, July 15th, morning service. And uh, I remember that service because I was baptized mm-hmm. at the end of that service. Mm-hmm. So here's what Brother Ed says. Some months ago, feeling led of the Holy Spirit, and I don't say that lightly, in fact, is if I were to be completely open with you, I would have to say several years ago, as much as five years ago, I was feeling a certain thing, uh, and I couldn't shake it. And I have talked to my wife uh, concerning this. But I felt led of the Holy Spirit a few months ago, and I invited Brother Tim Dodd to come and take a senior ministry position here with the team at Cloverdale Bible Way and Bible Believers. After several weeks of much prayer, fasting, and seeking the perfect will of God, I'm very pleased to announce that Brother Tim Dodd has accepted that invitation. And is in the transition process just now of moving here. He and his three children expect to be officially moved here by the beginning of August. Two of the children will attend senior classes at BCA. Brother Tim has gained valuable experience having pioneered a work in Dawson Creek for 10 years and then moved to Grand Prairie, actually moved, the believers moved with him to Grand Prairie. He felt led of God to do that. 
And the ministering in both of those cities was for a total of 28 years. He built a new church in 207 in Grand Prairie to accommodate the growing congregation. And over the years, God has raised up faithful ministry in Grand Prairie who are well able to feed the flock of God in, in that church and in that city. Brother Tim will be assuming responsibilities for Bible Believers Missions outreach, and he will be working very closely and hand in hand with Brother Kim Dingwall. And this is a much larger work than most people here can realize. It's a very large work. I'm not here to tout or blow our horn but I am here to state some facts today. This congregation, this church, for many, many years, and during the entire time that I have been here, has been not only active, but increasingly, increasingly active, and has brought about huge changes within the spreading of the message. I do not know of any other place that set up, for example, printing and translation as was done in India and for 28 years without missing a single month translated messages and sent them out by the millions every year. And I don't only think that's commendable uh, because I just believe we were doing what God required of us to do. He opened the door. We walked through it. At the other side of the door, he had faithful men, men with the same burden, men with the same passion, men with the same sacrifice. We provided resource. We went to the people in this country. We had conventions. We spoke meetings, special meetings, and I could never shake myself free of the great burden and desire that other people will have what we have. And God has blessed it. Not to bless us as people, but to bless his word. Amen. And I believe you see that. Amen. And we are faced with probably one of the greatest challenges that we have or that I have ever been presented with. And we're in the midst of it right as I, as I speak to you. Brother Tim possesses certain qualities, experience, and spiritual strengths that will be needed with the new shift of responsibilities. And especially with what is taking place with the ministry beyond the walls of this church. So while we look around this church, in order to understand this uh, announcement, you need to understand there's a congregation outside of the walls of this church. If you want to get some idea of the scope of it, you can speak with Sister Debbie, for example, who is sending out. You can speak with Sister Sarah. You can speak to my wife. I think in the first week of coming back from South Carolina, not because of the meetings in South Carolina, but there was mail waiting to be answered. And I think my wife answered about 50 letters within the first 10 days. And we have answered several hundred letters last week. Not because we are
there's a lot to unpack mm-hmm. in this uh, three and a half minute segment. He talks about your experience uh, pastoring and pioneering a work in Dawson Creek and then moving to Grand Prairie. He talks about uh, your involvement uh, in mission, future involvement in missions beyond the walls of the local church. He mentions Sister Sarah, who you end up marrying. There's a lot of things <laughs> to unpack in this clip here. So let's maybe let's talk about it a little bit. All right. We're, let me start with uh, how it came that I even considered being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Ed said that he had been, the Lord had been working on him for years. It hadn't been years for me necessarily. Uh, it had been months, right. largely because in early 2012, my wife passed away. Mm-hmm. And that uh, created a, an entire upheaval. And it was a significant event in my life. And realizing that the Lord was doing something because my wife was not sick. She did not die of anything diagnosable. Uh, because she died suddenly, they did an autopsy and found nothing. Mm. And so, uh, you know, just all of those unusual events, and I won't go into the details of it. I've, I've shared that testimony in the past. But I, be, I be, was confronted with three questions at that time. Number one, it seemed like the Lord wanted to change my ministry. Uh, number two, the children, how will I uh, further their education? I had We were homeschoolers, so the children were schooled at home, largely through the efforts of my wife, right. as it is in any, mostly any home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a difficult situation. And then number three would be, you know, would I remarry? And those are, the third question wasn't pressing. The most pressing question was the one of the children's education. You know, we didn't have uh, a lot of time, probably about nine months until September or eight months until September till, to decide what, what would be the course for my children in school. Mm. So over time, thinking about it, this is what it came down to. I think there was that year 40th anniversary meetings. Yes. And I remember that. I came to those meetings with a proposal for Brother Ed. And it was interesting because I I thought, you know, what if I put my children in school here and kind of a boarding school situation mm-hmm. and I would still pastor in Grand Prairie and then I would maybe come here maybe every couple months and be with my children and they would be here and be in school. And that was kind of my thoughts <laughs> at the time. And I actually sat down with brother Tom Ray and we sat down cause I wanted to bounce it off him before I bounced it off brother Ed as brother Tom was assisting brother Ed in the pastoral uh, ministry here. And uh, so I, I talked it over with brother Tom and uh, I remember the restaurant. I remember the table we were sitting at and it was interesting because when I shared with him my thoughts, he asked me, he says, have you talked to Brother Ed about this? I said, no, I want to talk to Brother I want to talk to you first. And so get your ideas. Am I, am I out of line? Is it something I shouldn't even bring up with Brother Ed? And so he said, no, because Brother Ed is working on something also. Wow. And I didn't know what he meant by that. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I should just talk to Brother Ed. So I did. And that's when Brother Ed shared with me what he shared to the congregation there. Oh, okay. Is that, that makes sense now. <laughs> is that God was picture. working on him <laughs> and he felt led to uh, offer me a, uh, that 
position, senior ministerial position to utilize not only the me in the missions field, but in the local congregation. And and so that was his burden. And, and you can hear it there on the tape. I don't have to explain that to anybody. So, so that was un, unexpected to me. And so that's when, as he said, many months of weeks of prayer and waiting on the Lord. Now I had to go back home and pray about it. Mm-hmm. I had to find, is this the will of the Lord? Because I hadn't considered leaving Grand Prairie. Uh, but was it the will of the Lord for me to join the ministry here and uh, take over the mission's uh, burden yeah. under Brother Viscal here? And so it was through a series of uh, just waiting on the Lord, much prayer, much, much yes, fasting was involved. I, I'm never one to talk about fasting because Jesus said, don't talk about it, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so I, but it was the Lord that really dealt with my heart and showed me that it was his will. And it was a tremendous, tremendous blow to the church up there. You know, you, I guess when I announced it and I asked Brother Biskel, let's both announce it on the same day. So there's not information <laughs> right. going back and forth. So while he was announcing it here, I was announcing it up there. Okay. And uh, I guess it's a good sign when people are crying that you're leaving. <laughs> At least they're not applauding or <laughs> anything like that. The glory. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Actually, there was a brother up there, and it was quite humorous because there was a brother in the church, I won't mention his name, and he was visiting, and he was sitting in the church the day that I announced it. And as he was listening to it, he was from here, and he was visiting there. And so he was the only one that was getting excited. You know, he was He's going, praise God, praise God. You know, he was excited that the ministry was coming down to Cloverdale. And uh, uh, I, I said to the people in, in Grand Prairie, I said, now don't take this brother out and lynch him. I said, he's just being natural. He's just being himself, you know. And so so that was the that was the beginning of, that was the decision process and, and uh, you know, it answered the schooling aspect of it. It answered the ministry aspect of it. And the rest of the questions still was between me and the Lord. Amazing. So we go from, you know, you coming to the message in the early 80s at 22 years old. Or the Bisco coming to the little town of Oliver. And you have a conversation about the message. And, and obviously there's been a lot of contact over the years. Your baptism and all that. And then down the road in 2012, then you find yourself called to join the local ministry here and to work closely with Brother Ed Bisco, missions and all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, as he said in, in the clip that we just heard, he said even the local congregation doesn't really know that the significance of this work and how big it is beyond these walls. And we've tried through the podcast to inform the people of the different involvements. But I, I want to ask you, how has your experience been knowing from what you just said your ministry took a change from a pastor to now a, a missionary. And I don't know, were you involved in missionary work before? Was this your first experience in missions? And how has it been for you in the early days of joining Bible Way? That's a good question. I was well familiar with traveling overseas. I had traveled to India several times. I had ministered in Europe. I had been to Africa, the countries of Ghana, Malawi, Tanzania, different places where I had ministered. But just ministering isn't mission work. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're going to establish churches with established pastors, 
um, it's almost like you're just going for meetings, right. you know? And so it, I don't really call that mission work. We mm-hmm. had helped, you know, get some message books out, but the thing about mission work, the thing that it takes to get the message out as, as much as you hate to say it, God doesn't work by money, but it takes money. Yeah. And it takes resources to be able to print books, uh, pay translators if that's what's being done, to uh, help to meet the needs of the local people to A, reach out, and B, clothe the bride of Jesus Christ with the Word of God. So there's those two aspects of things that are very, um, take resources. So in, in a little church in Grand Prairie, you know, we didn't have a lot of resources. So I would travel some, we would help where we could, and uh, that was the extent of it. So that was my background. And and I guess I could say I was the name or the, uh, what, what could you say? I didn't realize I was as well known as I was until my wife passed away. Let's put it that way. Uh, I was surprised at how many condolences came in from all over the globe, mm. hundreds and hundreds. And, uh, but I found out later that a, the family altar book had had a huge impact around the right, world right? and tens of thousands of copies in now dozens of languages. At that time, it was probably several languages that has gone around the world. So, um, no, maybe, maybe at that time it was more, but nevertheless, the people appreciated the family altar book. Number one, number two, I found out that people were streaming my services whenever I was in a church that had video archives, right. you know, like Cloverdale. So yep. I would preach in Cloverdale reasonably often, probably once or twice a year, and found out from believers around the world that those were precious to them. And, and so I appreciated, appreciated that. Was, I didn't know that before. Mm-hmm. I just was serving the Lord, just doing what the Lord was leading me to do. So there was definitely um, connections around the world. And then to come here and be a part of the mission work here and to build on what Brother Biskel had been doing for years and years and years. And at that time, the missions director was Brother Kim Dingwall, not a minister himself, but a, a, he, he'll probably listen to this, but <laughs> so he'll have to hear me say this, but a genius of a man. <laughs> You know, just incredibly talented and uh, intelligent and, and capable. And mm-hmm. and he was, I think, one of the early architects of the whole uh, effort on the message hub. Okay. And at that time, it was a lot of manual work, but yep. it was, you know, translations were gathered and, and books were formatted and things were put on the internet to be able to be accessible around the world and and he had a huge part in the beginnings of that. And and so we kind of overlapped in those beginning years, probably one or two years we worked together in missions. And he went on to do other things like work in the school, become the principal of the school and, and that sort of thing. So we, I definitely benefited from his efforts and tried to build on that positively. And I think that, you know, we've... We've moved forward to that. So a lot of brothers that I knew around the world, or I say it this way, a lot of brothers that I am working with now around the world, churches and countries and different things, I knew previously to coming here. Okay. And, but being a part of Brother Biskel's ministry, 
uh, only enhance that. Right. And they have such a high regard for Brother Biscoe. And even just today, I got a, a text from a brother overseas and asked, how is Brother Biscoe doing? And just please convey to him our appreciation for all of his labors and all that he has done for the body of Jesus Christ and everything. So those are the kind of um, comments and appreciation that we constantly get from mm-hmm. overseas. Wonderful. And and l- let me just interject before you, you carry forward. What Brother Biscoe said about we don't want to toot our own horn, I forget how he said it, and blow our own horn. That's not the object, but what he said about much has been done is reflected back from Mm -hmm. the brothers overseas in their appreciation for what Brother Biscoe and Cloverdale Bible Way has done over the years. Certainly. And uh, as you could hear in the audio segment here, just the passion and the burden that that defines the character and, and the fabric of his making He's all about getting this word out and, exactly. and being spent for the gospel and printing and translation. He talked about India. He talked about everything that you're not involved in, all the printing work and the translation. And and how has your experience been? So you, you started with working with Brother Kim Dingwall. He was a director then. Mm-hmm. And now you are the director. And how has that transition been? What what are now, what's your experience been? What are some of the challenges you face? Wow, that's a big question. That is a, how long have you, we got here? <laughs> <laughs> we have about 15 more minutes. Okay. So good. Well, let's start at the beginning. I think one of the key tools that had been developed here was the Message Hub. Right. And it continues to be a key, not only a key tool, it continues to expand. Because the Message Hub is the gathering of translations for the benefit of the body of Jesus Christ around the world. There's mm-hmm. 50% more, roughly 50% more translations on the message hub than anywhere else wow. in the world. Wow. Okay. So this is this is a huge resource for the bride of Jesus Christ, and we maintain it and we we continue to work in it. There's hundreds of translations. I think this year probably 14 or 1,500 translations already added this year. Now, having said that, it was almost a manual process back then. And what what we've done since then are one of the things that we began to do. And it was with Brother Biskel's inspiration to develop what he called at that time a Bible app. And it was for the believers in China. Right. And But in de- talking with the programmers here, like Brother Darren Hoffman, and mm-hmm. of which Brother Jean Yu also work with the, on the programming side, is the... Uh, we discussed it and found that it would be possible to not just do it for Chinese, but do it for every language and do an app for every language. Mm-hmm. And and we had uh, obtained the momolous, uh connections between the links between the Bible and the message. Yep. And that became integral to the app because there's no app like it where right. where you can read the message or read a, read the Bible and, and you'll see a notation on the scripture and it will take you to what Brother Branham said about that scripture. Yep. And so there's, there's links between the Bible and the message. And so uh, we began to develop that and to begin to put languages on that. And now I think we've got a total of 48 languages on the Message Hub mobile app. And that app now is available in Android, in uh, iOS. Apple, yeah. iOS, and also for Windows. Yeah. And so 
that continues to be developed and it's, and it's continues to be the central focus of our translation work. Our number one labor is translation work. And we are we have many translation projects on the go, as do other churches who are sponsoring translation projects and uploading to the message hub. It's not all Bible believers, yeah. but certainly we do maintain the hub and we do maintain the development and we are sponsoring a number of languages. I think it's seven or eight at this time. So the message hub became a central part of it. Then, you know, the Lord began to open doors and we've talked about them before, so I won't go into detail. But in 2013, the Lord opened the door in Uganda. And that's just a year after you moved here. Yeah. Yeah, that, that became the beginning of what's going on now in Uganda when mm -hmm. you think about it. And so you can see Brother Biscoe's vision right. uh, to bring me in. And it's, I, I don't want to say it this way that it's, as Brother Biscoe says, I don't, I'm not here to blow my own <laughs> horn. But I'll just say it was laying there. And when I arrived, it happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. So God wanted a certain tool right. to use. I call myself a tool, and that has a negative connotation <laughs> as well. But, uh, you know, God wanted a certain vessel that, that he could use in a certain way that had certain talents. You know, Brother Kim was, Dingwell was in, integral mm -hmm. in what he did. And, and so then uh, the radio broadcast got set up in 2013 in Uganda, and that evolved into the beginning of the awakening, which really started in 2015. Okay, so there's a couple of years there. But it was also at that time, during that trip uh, to Uganda, that I, that, the, or just before that trip, that the Lord began to put the burden on us to go to Ethiopia. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there was a young evangelist by the name of Basabozi. I think people know that name now. And he he was really just a, uh, a young evangelistic preacher. And uh, he had nothing. He, he wasn't a pastor. He was just a, uh, a simple young brother that loved the Lord and loved this message. And we, he had been in contact with us. Brother Biskel had asked us, asked me in particular to maintain contact with him and in Brother Biskel's words to mentor him. And uh, so I was in contact with him. He got married on that trip to Uganda and I, I performed his wedding. Mm -hmm. And it was then that the as I was wondering, what can we do for Ethiopia, that I decided the best thing to do would be to send him to Ethiopia on his, we call it his honeymoon, <laughs> all expenses paid, one week in Ethiopia with the condition that you see if you can find any believers or see what's happening. Long story short, three people got saved on that trip. Aye. And that was the beginning of the work in Ethiopia. And so, uh, so those were... So we've, we've come to different levels now. I've talked about three distinct things. One is the message hub, yep. which is the, you could say the mechanics. But I love the way Brother Stephen Abali, who just preached, talked about, he says, people say, talk as though the dynamics is of God and the mechanics is of man. Right. But the, the dynamics is of the Holy Spirit and the mechanics is of the Holy Spirit. Yep. They're just different. Yep. And so... The Holy Spirit was putting mechanical things into place in the message hub. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Now we're working in several languages in Uganda as this awakening spreads through the country. All right. Number two is Uganda, which is a, 
uh, missions work amongst established or working with established ministries mm -hmm. in Uganda. And so that's that's a normally what happens in missions is that you're you support a pastor, you help him build a church, you help we don't do church building generally speaking, but you know others do and you you help a local pastor with his needs and that's uh, you maybe help him to find some message books and that sort of thing. That's one of the great things that Message Hub does is to be able to um, print books in a local assembly mm -hmm. to be able to furnish a local congregation with the messages they need in their language. Right. They can get a printer. They can print their own message book. They can print 50 copies of any title that's available, 100 copies, five titles, or five copies, rather. It doesn't matter. And so, um, but working in Uganda with established ministry because... The message was established in Uganda in the 70s and 80s, all right? So that's number two. Then number three, so these are all happening in those early years in uh, when I came here. Yep. The doors all open. Number three was Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And that is now reaching into a country that has never had the message established there. And so that's a different kind of a challenge. And Brother Basabozi worked in the country. We we sponsored and paid for every uh, expense of that. He was a poor young minister in Uganda, and uh, he went into Ethiopia and has a very dynamic way of doing evangelism. And as he reached out to the people, you know, in works like that, it's not easy. you got to pay his rent. you got to give him some money for food. Yep. You know, you got to uh, pay his expenses to travel out and you know, uh, some gasoline or a vehicle or something. And and if you're wanting to reach out into the countryside, somebody's got to do it. Yep. And so Brother Basabosi did that, and every nickel of it was sponsored by Bible believers in Ethiopia there. So, so that began the work in Ethiopia, and the church grew, and then Brother Basabosi had to leave the country. So the ministry became established, which was interesting because I was sharing with Brother Basabosi I said, you know, just like when I was in Grand Prairie, I says, I raised up the church there. I said, I established the believers there. The, there was ministry that raised up. And then the Lord had me to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't regret that at all. It's I didn't own that church. Right. You know, it wasn't, it was, I put in all the labor, all the blood, sweat, tears, and cash. You know, <laughs> it was my own funds, a lot of it that, that went into building up the church, it's in the hands of the Lord. Mm -hmm. There's good brothers there that are now, Brother Darren, the pastor there, and Darren Boyer, and the work that's ongoing there. We're thrilled that it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. And so so these are things that, challenges that um, unfold that are almost fluid that arise. So now we've been working in Uganda for a number of years. We continue to work in the Message Hub. We continue to work in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. There's other works like Angola, like uh, China, of course, uh, was well-established work before I got here. And these works continue. Right. Amen. When you look back, Brother Tim, well, two questions. First first question, when you look back in your, in your life, even as a minister and, and as a pastor, did you ever thought of yourself as being a missionary one day? No. <laughs> Simple as that. Largely because I'm not an adventurer. 
That is to say, I'm not a type of person that loves to travel and go places and see things. I mean, you do love to see things. You love to visit things. You, you love the people, all of those things. But some people thrive on that. Mm. I thrive on the word. I love to study the word. I love to just dig into the word and, and just digest it. And the Lord made me that way in the early years of my ministry up north when there were just a few believers and uh, spent many, many hours in my study every day. Wow. And uh, just ate the book, to say it bluntly, <laughs> just ate the book. And uh, so I never viewed myself as a missionary, which is to say an apostle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never view myself as as being as being anybody. You know, that's maybe part of it. I, I just view myself as just whatever little gift God gives me. Uh, I don't even know if it's much of a gift. I just kind of minister the way I minister. I help the way I help, and I see things the way I see things. But one thing, Brother John, and I think this might be important for the listeners is that I learned over the years to be myself. <laughs> you know, not try to be like Brother Biscal, right. not try to be like Brother Tom, not try to be like Brother so-and-so right. here or there or the way they do things. I realized that God can only use me the way he made me. Amen. You know, Brother Branham says, I think in one place, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, be yourself, you know, don't try to be like somebody else. He says, uh, you know, the people will love you more and, and God will love you for that or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's uh, he's just encouraging people, be yourself. Amen. That's why Brother Stephen Valley, who was just here, ministered on. And that's very remarkable to really encourage the people to realize that God made you the way you are for a purpose. Right. And um, God shaped you, God molded you, even yourself or the team, the things you went through in your life, which we're not going to cover in this episode, but everything you went through shaped you to to be able to be used of God for the very things that we've covered, like Uganda and Ethiopia. I don't think it's a coincidence that these things happened in 2013 and after, right? Mm-hmm. And you can hear Brother, Brother Bisco saying it's his burden, it's, it's pressing, and he felt led of the Holy Ghost. And without a doubt, God had God had his hand and he needed somebody we could use for this. Um, what is your greatest enjoyment? I know that's a... That's a big loaded question, but when you look back, if you want to talk in terms of proud accomplishment, so to speak, since mm. since you got involved in missions, what is that one thing that you look back that gives you great satisfaction? That's the key word, satisfaction. The most satisfying accomplishment, I don't think there's one. I'll say what satisfies me most about the message hub is the volume of the book that is available to the bride of Jesus Christ. Mm. It has grown uh, tremendously, and it is a solid platform for people to be able to access the message. There, there are printing works all over the world that are using the Message Hub as their foundational mm-hmm. uh, tool. So we thank God for that to facilitate that. See, a, a lot of you young believers don't understand when I first came into the message, which is in '83, as I said, which I guess, by the way, that makes it 40 years this year. Uh, this Thanksgiving when I was baptized. But uh, the the availability of the message in book form and tape form was not easy, mm-hmm. even in English. There was no internet. There was no CDs. CDs were not in use at that time. Yep. 
it was cassette tapes and they were very expensive. You know, to get a cassette tape of every one of Brother Branham's services would cost thousands of dollars. Wow. And so I didn't even own a complete library. I but I but it was and I maybe significantly it was at that time that personal computers began to be come into place. The old IBM three eighty six and then we went to a 386SX or something like that. And, and wow, it was, you know, we had a, uh, we had a, I had an upgraded version. It had a 40 megabyte hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even comprehend that. <laughs> exactly. And so there, there's, there's thumb drives that are much larger in the gigabytes now. But this was a hard drive on which I had the message. From 1963 to 1965, it was the beginning of putting the message on computer. Wow. You see, so so those that was the era that it was just coming into that realm. So I've been here since the beginning of the digitization, if we could say it, mm -hmm. of the message. So the the whole message hub aspect is very satisfying. The the uh, probably the greatest satisfaction, if I could name one thing would be to see new souls come into the kingdom of God. Amen. That would be the greatest satisfaction. You know, when I hear of the hundreds, even thousands of baptisms in Uganda mm -hmm. or the the singularity of one by one and now maybe into the dozens of baptisms into Ethiopia, mm -hmm. where now there's hundreds of believers from nothing to hundreds right. of believers. Yep. That is extremely satisfying for me to see that because I know in 1983 when I came in, I'm now 40 years in this way. I've never looked back. Mm -hmm. This word has taken its place in my life and I have no interest in, in anything else mm -hmm. but the continual revelation of God's word. Amen. And now I know if somebody else gets a hold of that, yeah. it will do the same for them. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It, it must be... Uh an equally incredible satisfaction when you go back to a place like Ethiopia. You know, you went there the first time, the second time, and then you go back and you start to observe the growth mm -hmm. that these new believers have been establishing the word and now they're feeding on the word and all the printing and translation efforts is grounding them in the word. What, what, what a feeling. It is a, a huge, uh, a hugely satisfying feeling. And even to watch, and I'm a keen observer, you know, and I, I always observe how things unfold and, and try and take uh, advice from that. And, and, you know, many brothers and, and more than a few have tried to start a work in Ethiopia over the years. Mm -hmm. Nothing took root. Then Brother Basabozi went in, and I will say if, if it was just him, it would not have taken root. Because even for several years he was there, there was only a handful of believers, right. maybe 20. Maybe I, I would go and preach and maybe there'd be 25, 30. If you had 30 in a service, you know, you were having a good service. And so it was very slowly growing. But when the local brothers took a hold of the word, right. and Brother Mogus especially, mm -hmm. the pastor in Addis Ababa, but there are other ministers there. When they took a hold of the word and began to establish the word in their own people under the burden for them personally, mm -hmm. that's when it really began to take off. 
You know, we yeah. appreciate everybody's labors, but it's only under the local ministry that's really grown. So that last time I was there, which was May of this year, uh, hundreds of believers in the meetings. In Addis Ababa, in Awasa, yeah. and now we have little groups here and there. That it just exactly. keeps exploding and growing. And that's always been Brother, Brother Bisco's vision, uh, as we've reiterated many times, to work with the local people. Exactly. And, and it's not just, you know, maybe for North Americans, they think, well, you know, Brother Basabos is an African. Isn't that sufficient for the people of Ethiopia? Well, he doesn't speak the language. He wasn't raised in the culture. It, it wasn't something that he could accomplish. So he, um, he was very much used of God in the beginning, and the work moves on. Amen. Well, Brother Tim, we've come up to 45 minutes here. We're going to bring this to close now. This was very, very nice to to have this conversation with you. I've been looking forward to it. I know since you've asked me to join you on this journey and missions, and I've, we've had several conversations with different men of God, and I've been thinking in the back part of my mind, let's get the, the genesis of how you got involved here in missions and to, to look at the fruits of it and to look back and, and see what your thoughts are of what your challenges have been. And we just want to say we really appreciate you coming here. I've been one who's tremendously benefited from not only your ministry, but also your, your mentorship and your friendship. And uh, do you have any, any closing comments? Well, I'll just say that I hope it's been a blessing for people today to listen to this. It's impossible to go into all the details of the dealings of God, even over the last 10 years. You know, we've been here 10 years and uh, there's so many things that the Lord has done along the journey to mold us, to lead us, to to establish us, to train us up. But, uh, I, I can say that I am very appreciative. I, I've learned a lot working with Brother Biscoll and uh, being under his ministry. And now that he has taken a step back and Brother Tom has taken over the pastorship of the church, you know, I know Brother Tom is burdened to see the mission's vision go forward mm-hmm. and to to carry forward the vision of Cloverdale Bible Way. And uh, I believe that the Lord will lead it onward and upward until the rapture. Amen. I'm just believing that with all my heart. But uh, all I can say is there's many more details than we can express. But in what has been said today, I trust that the Lord will make it a blessing to somebody out there and encourage them that uh, this journey that we have in a Christian walk is not just a like I'm a person that could sit in a closet, so to speak, and just study the word. <laughs> but you have to give out. It has to go out. It has to go out. We're a part of a body and the gospel goes from one to another, as mm-hmm. Brother Branham said. And so we want to just continue on the work of the Lord as much as he will allow us. Amen. Well, my prayer, Brother Tim, is that the Lord will open more doors. And as Brother Bisco said, Amen. as he opens doors, we walk in them. Amen. May God give you give us more fruits out of the mission field. To our listeners, may God bless you. Appreciate you listening. Until next time, shalom. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the word of God.